mornings a week, we meet before breakfast for an early morning run. We spend most of our time planning and reflecting on what's happening in our classrooms. This has become our favorite professional development. So we figured, why not share these moments with you? Welcome to Math Before Breakfast. All right, this is episode... 11 of Math Before Breakfast, and it is also the first episode of 2019 that we are recording, and it is. Ruth, you told me something exciting about 2019. 2019 is not a prime number. Oh. You have to know that when you are a math geek. And yeah. so the reason it's not prime is because it's divisible by three, and I did not divide it by three. Right. I just added two plus zero plus one plus nine, and because that equals 12... 2019 is divisible by three. Uh, and that happens to be its only prime factor. Well, whatever 2019 divided by three is the other one. It only has two, which means it only has a total of four factors, one and 2019. Really? And you must three. have looked that up. I did. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But, That's cool. So. Um, and. Yeah, when it's for three and six hundred and seventy-three. In case you're wondering. Oh, three and six hundred and seventy-three, awesome. and six hundred and seventy-three is also prime. So that's the prime factorization of two thousand nineteen, which means it only has four factors. That is really cool. I'm gonna talk to my students about that. Tomorrow, I'm gonna maybe. talk to my students, and my question is gonna be, what year? What will the next year be? That will be a prime number year. Ooh. And don't ask me because I don't know the answer yet. Yeah, but that'd be that's fun. Okay, cool. Um, a win for divisibility rules. They're, right. they're always, they're very useful. And it's something that we both teach our kids, right? And I like for it. For sure. Okay. So on episode 11, our goal is to talk about a question we got from a listener and then to move in to talk about games. Um, we Neither one of us have gone back to work yet. I go back tomorrow. And then Ruth has two more extra days before she goes back um, next week. So we haven't we don't really have any like student interactions to talk about so we um are going to talk about games because we both like games and didn't use them in math um so first though i we just want to give a shout out to those who are listening and then interacting and commenting it's been really exciting for us lately for sure um, uh, a friend of ours, Emily, has really taken a lot of the things that she's hearing and trying them. And she's going to do which one doesn't belong. And she tried the broken calculator. And it's just really fun to um, encourage her through that process of trying new things. So if you if that is you and you are, you know, listening and trying something new, we'd love for you to reach out. You can um, comment on our website, which is www.mathbeforebreakfast.com, all one word. Um, or both of us are on Twitter. My Twitter is Tracy Joe Profit, um, Profit with two F's and two T's. And my um, is Math Six Teacher, and the six is a number, and there's no spaces. Yeah. So tweet at us or leave us a, a comment on a um, podcast. You know, link on our website. Um, also, it helps us if you comment and rate us on Apple Podcasts. That helps us like show up in the search. I think I sound like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I don't know. I just Leave heard other review. people. Leave a review. That's right. I've heard other people say that on their podcasts. 
<laughs> All right. So we want to share a question we got from Monica um, Harold, I think is how you say her last name. And she's a teacher in Texas. And um, she has been listening. And this was one of the questions that she sent us by the on, on our website. She says, I also struggle getting my students to engage in tasks and have those mathematical discussions. How did you approach teaching your new, in quotes, mathematical mindset classroom culture of this year? So I think that was a good question because it sounded like she's in much the same place that we are, like realizing there's more out there. There's a whole different format and she wants to make a change. But how does she, how do you like get your students to start changing the mathematical culture? So you want to go first? So I've probably cheated. Cheated? <laughs> what do you mean? Well, maybe I just did what teachers do, but good teachers find other good teachers and just steal their stuff. Yeah. And Joe Bowler is the creator of the week of inspirational math. Mm -hmm. And I just let her teach my class mm -hmm. that whole first week. Um, she teaches about the power of yet. Mm -hmm. She really talks to the students about how your brain is able to grow and it grows more when you make a mistake than it does when you just know the answer. And so our job as teachers is to provide you opportunities where you might make mistakes instead of just giving you something that you have a list of steps that you follow and you experience success. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I learned so much from her as yeah. I was venturing into this. And I think it's, really important that this is a new way of teaching but this isn't new math and I hear that and it makes me cringe yeah you know when people say oh that's just new math because I just feel like it's it's the same math it's just the way that we think about it as adults we're now giving kids the opportunity to call it something mm -hmm. yeah the the um the thing I'd point out about the week of inspirational math is that you can kind of pick and choose. Like if you go in there and you there's something that you don't like, you can skip the particular task that comes with it. But her her videos are so strong, and my kids have just come back to the thoughts that are in there. So even if even if you're wanting to make a middle of the year change, mm -hmm. like it's not. It wouldn't be out of the question to, to do a week of it in the middle of the year. I think it could be a really strong mm -hmm. teacher move. And it it's called a week of inspirational math, but it's not the only thing you do in math that week. It's just really a supplement mm -hmm. because sometimes it's scary to give up a whole week when you have to cover curriculum yeah. and Joe Bowler's going to, you know, talk about something else. But it's really a good supplement. It's something that you can do at the beginning just as motivation. Mm -hmm. Um and you ask the students to take something away from it and they listen and her videos, she obviously gets it that you're showing it to kids. And so yeah. her videos are like one to two minutes long. Yeah, they're very appropriate. Um, my, ki my kids just constantly are – the thing they took away is that whole yet word. Mm -hmm. And um, they'll – you know, somebody will be grouchy like, I can't get this. And then you'll hear someone beside them, yet. You have to say, yeah, I don't get it yet. I think it's so <laughs> cute. And then sometimes they'll be mad like – stuck themselves and they'll go oh i don't get this yet you know they're trying they're being like a little bit um smart aleck but at least they're saying it differently right you know i like it um the other 
place I would port, point Monica and anybody else who's thinking about culture is something I just saw recently. Sarah Vanderwerf is a teacher that we've talked about before. And um, it's, it, it appears that she's starting a new like blog um, series or something. And so she's asking questions to lots of her Twitter followers. And she asked um, this week, what small thing do you do in your math classroom that makes a big difference? And I think she was probably thinking she was going to get very mathy answers and she got much more uh, many more like culture kinds of answers things that have to do with how you build relationships and treat students and so that I'd point you anybody to just look at her twitter responses as a great place to think about culture and then she followed that up with the question of what intentional word choices do you make in your math class like what are some things that you make sure that you say um so that would be another place that I think just looking there for ideas mm-hmm. might lead you down some stuff. cool path. Do you have a do you have a do you have a strong answer to either one of those questions? Like something you're dying to say? Um so you talked about um Emily using which one doesn't belong, which is the four, yeah. like the T. And you gave her a really good suggestion when you said color the boxes so that the language of I think the one in the top left doesn't work because whatever if you don't know your left and right you might mm-hmm. not be willing to speak and telling her to color code the boxes was a really good suggestion as a sixth grade teacher i number those like the four quadrants mm-hmm. on the cartesian grid and so they are constantly practicing that one two three four and they yeah. say in quadrant one in quadrant Ooh, two i like that so that's intentional vocabulary yeah um i probably did have students who in the beginning didn't speak because they had to use that vocabulary Uh but i feel like that's real life use of that yeah um so that you can know what quadrant those are Mm -hmm. so that's that's just a whole like a big a big idea i think i try to do in my classroom is to use the correct vocabulary even if it's not the what we're currently working on Mm -hmm. and that's another feedback I gave Emily was to make sure she was doing she made her own which one doesn't belong which I think is so cool and it was having to do with sums and differences just small like easy facts and um I mentioned to her if a student says oh the answer to that one is even then the teacher would respond with not just you're right or I agree but saying oh you notice that the sum was an even number and throw in the the vocabulary that you'd want your students to start to use. So that would be my maybe one small thing that I think makes a big difference is making sure that even if the students aren't using the correct vocabulary, you are being precise in your language and saying using it because I think they'll they'll eventually use it too. Right. Correctly. Okay. So keep commenting and asking questions because we that makes us that makes us grow and have to think about yeah you know reflect good stuff it does make us happy i every time i get something like look jay and i quick send it to ruth we got a comment i'm so excited (laughs) okay so we're gonna talk about games and we need to give a shout out to um kent haynes do you follow him on twitter ruth i do yeah and he he has a whole um newsletter right about about games and website and he is the pro so um this particular game that we're going to talk about first is one that i read about on his website and was like oh i need that add that to our christmas list um so he has tons more information and is i feel like the guru on that right now um so go there 
to his Twitter and check it out. But Zeus on the Loose is a game we got for Christmas, and we got it for Trip. And Trip is seven; he's in first grade. And I'm just gonna tell you how to how to play. Yeah, we've ki- I kind of told you, but not really. Um, I'll tell you how to play, and then we'll talk about the math that's okay. involved. And I do feel like this is a great home game, but I f- I think with the right kind of scaffolding. You could have this. It's, you could play this at school in small groups, and it's really not very expensive. I think it was around 10 bucks. I don't know. Jay, you bought it on Amazon. You remember? That sounds right. So about 10-ish. Okay. And it's from Game Right, and we'll we'll put a link on our show notes, but Zeus on the Loose. Okay. So it's got this, you know, um, Greek god uh, theme going on, and it's all it is is just a stack of cards and one little, I'll show you, one little Zeus guy. He's just a yellow plastic man thing and you um shuffle the cards you give everybody four cards to start with and you have the mount olympus um discard pile and so when it's your turn to go you lay down a card and you say what the sum of the pile is so you might put down a four and you'd say four and then i put down the next number on top of that and i add my card to whatever are on the pile. So if I put down a six, then I would say 10 because the new sum is 10. Okay. So there's the whole idea is to be in charge of Zeus, to be like the one holding the marker. So there are several things that get you Zeus. One of them is putting is making the sum of the pile be a multiple of 10. So in that case, you put down a four, I put down a six, I've made it 10, I get to take Zeus and, and I hold on to him at this point. So then if you all of a sudden put down a 10, again, now we're at 20, now you take Zeus, you're, okay. in, you're in charge of Zeus. So he moves back and forth based on multiples of 10. So there's your first math thing is that making pairs that add up to 10 is a is an advantage so you quickly start to think about what those pairs are and trip is just killing me he's he's awesome at how he's always looking for that anyway of how to make tens so he that that is like almost second nature just a reflex to him like oh there's a pair you know I, there's a three down there on the pile or you've said some you know some amount 23 33 whatever i have a seven in my hand he doesn't have to think about it anymore he just knows that Oh, that's going to get me Zeus. Um, then the another thing that gets you Zeus is if you play a match. So if you put down, I'll keep going where we were. If you had just put down a 10, mm-hmm. then if I put a 10 right after that, I've copied this card that was down there. So then I get to take it um, because we made a match. And if you play, so I would take back Zeus. So, or a repeat. I don't know if we call it a match. Um if you have more than two people, you, that's the only time you can go on a turn. So if if you oh. put down a 10 and it's my go, but Jay has a 10, he can quick pl- like plop the 10 down and basically it skips me. So you're needing to watch for when somebody puts down a card that you have in your hand. And then... The rest of it is just there are like special cards. You know how in like Candyland there's the little people cards. Right. There's special cards in the deck, and but there's a lot of special cards, which makes it kind of fun. It's not it's not rare to get one. So sometimes it just says the the score stays the same. Keep Zeus or get Zeus. Take control of Zeus. Sometimes it says subtract ten and take control of Zeus. Um, some steal Zeus. Steal Zeus. Okay, yeah, steal Zeus. Um, sometimes it says, "Oh, this is my favorite one." It says, um, "Round to the nearest ten and steal Zeus," which is so. 
I mean, what a cool thing to run, to throw in there into this game that's about addition, really. Um, wow. And and what I love about it is that they might trip has learned through the game that if you round a number that's already at a 10 to the nearest 10 it just stays the same that's a hard you know concept in math class you're like round 90 to the nearest 10 they want to say 100 or 80 or i don't know something exactly you know and Mm -hmm. then this teaches you that if it's already on the 10 then that's going to be the answer um and it's a way to basically in the game to just steal zeus because Every time you're on a multiple of 10, you get it back, you know? So um, what else is I going to say about it? The, it? the the main helpful things, so the main math in it that is awesome is keep doing mental addition, right? Oh, for sure. I mean, to, I mean, how... You go up to 100. I forgot to say how you win. (laughs) Yeah. So you, if you're the one in charge of Zeus at 100 you win. Or if you cause it to be exactly 100, you steal Zeus and you win. So you're going all the way to 100 in this game. Um, so that mental keeping track of a of a total is pretty awesome. I've seen on Twitter people playing with kids that might not be as fluent in the addition, and so they're using whiteboards, which is totally fine. If you need whiteboards or you need a 100 chart or you need, you know, um, cat manipulatives to add it up, whatever you snap cubes or something, go for it. Right. Um, when we played with grandma, grandma was like, oh no, this is tough. Like she was struggling with the, with the keeping track of the total and then doing it quickly in her head. So I can't help but think about how beneficial it would be to use a hundreds chart mm-hmm. for this game and really help the students understand that if you're at 27 and you're adding four you can well you would break it up and so you could add three mm-hmm. and then add another one or if you're at 27 i don't even know what the cards are but can, are you going to add like 27 are you going to add a big number the biggest you add is 10 the ever. biggest you add is 10 okay yeah so you know, if you're going to add nine, maybe that means you add 10 and subtract one. That's what I kept telling Trip to do. Yeah. And and that has made both of us, myself and him, I think, fluent at that step of mm-hmm. uh, that that strategy. So adding when you have to add ten, nine, you go think about adding 10 because that's easy and then go back one. He's he really has perfected that strategy because of this game, I think. That's really cool. Um. I just I can't say enough good about it. It was it's fun. Like Jay doesn't I have to tell this story about Jay. Sorry, Jay. Um <laughs> when we were dating, he, we played a lot of games and um cards. huh? Cards. Yeah, cards. yeah, a lot of cards and um, you know, spades and all kinds of stuff. And then we got married and he was like, "Yeah, I don't really like to play games." <laughs> I was just trying to get you, you know? <laughs> and so it's been this thing. I love to play games. I could I play a game every single night if somebody would play with me. Um, Trip's probably like, that's not true, Mom. But um, anyway, I this game, he's like, oh, this is fun. This is probably the best one we got for Christmas. And he's been willing to play it. It's quick. You know, you can the rounds can go really fast. That's and, fun. Um, and it's a game that... It's not complicated. Yeah. So many games, like... A lot of these games that we've played with other families have been just so many rules and setup, and ex- unless the robbers over here, unless you got three of these kind of card, or you're on this dock, 
Yeah. And I just blah. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is fast to learn. And so it's what, what I think might make it a really good classroom game. Well, I was going to say that's kind of true of all of these games today, which is what you want to do in your classroom. I mean, I like to play games, too, and it's fun. And there's so much math that goes on in any kind of games. Yeah. Um, at our house this Christmas, we played Organ Attack and we played Exploding Kittens because my son <laughs> likes to play games and he's ordered them off of these small websites where someone who's invented a game uh-huh. puts it out there and trace gives it like, yes, I'll buy this. Oh, like a, what is that called? Quick Kickstarter. Quick, Kickstarter. A Kickstarter. Yeah. So people don't know these games. Right. Well, it takes such a long time for him to explain it. Yeah. But he's my son. So we listen to him yeah. and play, but I completely get what Jay's saying about, we're going to tell you games that you could give a class directions mm-hmm. in less than five minutes and they could play. Yeah. And play, and I think it's important when you do that to play it as a class. Mm-hmm. Like watch. I always, if I'm going to teach a new game, I always let the class play against me to begin with or a student to play against me and, and then kind of see it happen. Just explaining directions, in my opinion, hasn't worked. Um, okay, True so let's let's move on. So you've got one called the multiplication game. You want to tell us how to play that? And, and I'll say that every single one of these we'll put on our website, and um, it'll be easy to find. So if if you're like someone in my house in my family, not in this room, and need to hear the directions three or four times, then you can read them from our website. <laughs> every single turn. Yes, every single turn. I won't mention who that is. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay, so. This game board is a five by five grid and inside each number it or inside each block is a composite number for the most part. So this one just says it goes all the way to 10 and then it has 12 and 14 and 15 and 16 and 18. So some of them are prime, but most of them are large composite numbers and it stops at 81. Um, so at the bottom you have a list of what we call factors. Um, and the first person put covers, maybe they're going to cover a two and a three and they're going to put their cross out X because two times three is six. So as my opponent, if I've covered the six and used the factors two and three, you are going to choose which one of those factors you're going to keep and which one you're going to change. So you can keep the two and move the one that was on the three to a five, and now you've made the number 10 because two times five is 10. And then it's the next person's turn, and they get to move the clip on the factor line one time. So you're looking at multiplication. You're looking at division. You're also looking at now I'm also moving it so I can place one, but I don't want to give you a factor that you need to finish because mm-hmm. the strategy is to get four in a row. Right. So there is so much math that's going on, and it's a great way for students to practice their basic facts without a time test. Um, I particularly like this game because there is strategy involved. Yeah. But it's really, it's really low floor. Everybody can play Mm -hmm. because 
you have to know your multiplication facts. And if you need a multiplication chart beside you, then have a multiplication chart beside you. Yeah. Um, so I know that probably wasn't, ooh, I want to go get that because I know exactly what she's talking about. But if you look at how simplistic the game is, and in yeah. my classroom, I simply photocopied this game, stuck it inside a page protector, and everybody plays with paper clips. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a whole lot of purchasing of anything yeah. to make it happen. Um, this game and the game that I'm going to talk about next, I got from uh, the National Math Club powered by Math Counts. And it's a, the whole idea is that you would start a Math Counts club in your classroom, which could meet every day to once a month to once a semester mm-hmm. for. 30 minutes to 10 minutes. Um, So sometimes students come at lunch and they play these math counts games. But when you say, yes, I'm willing to do some kind of math club, Mm -hmm. they send you this notebook of games. That's really nice. So um, Tracy tried and she doesn't teach middle school, so she wasn't able to get it. But if you happen to be a middle school teacher... And are looking for some really good resources for your classroom. Or if you happen to be a middle school teacher and like to request it for Tracy. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Please do. Good call, Jay. (laughs) Um, I'm I'm looking at it and I'm loving how like the it's it looks good. You know, it's well produced and then it has the directions and then it has this whole part that's explaining the teach like the math behind it. It's, it has a good explanation of. So there's always a mathematical expiration and then there is a set of how you could differentiate it, how you could scale it, yeah. how you could extend it just by changing the board or changing the rules a little bit. Definitely, definitely a good resource. Yeah. And and I will say this, to go back to this game, the multiplication game, um, on the NCTM website, there are, um, is it called Illuminations, is a part yes. of the NCTM website. And this game is on there. So if I have often had my kids play it together in class, but then it could be a center where they play against the computer too. And you can change the size of the board. So it could have like 16 squares on it, or you could go up, you know, to have a, the grid could be a lot bigger. Um, And I have, they like, they like playing against the computer. You can also play two player right on the computer. So if you don't want to go to the trouble of copying and, you know, finding markers and whatever, um, they have one called the, I'm not remembering exactly, but there's like the product game and the factor game. And and it's almost the same game, just kind of opposite of each other. So do you know if they work on iPads? I don't know. Okay. But that you should investigate that. Yeah, I will definitely investigate that. <laughs> Some of us have you have Google Chrome. Yeah, I have Chromebooks. Chromebooks and I have iPads. Yeah. So sometimes the things I'm like, Ruth, you got to try this. And then we realize it doesn't work on the iPad. I don't, I don't know why not. Maybe Jay's over there working it out. JR tech guy. No, he's not. Okay. Well, we'll, um, maybe we'll let somebody know later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he's off, off task over there, JJ. <laughs> um, tell us your next game, Ruth. Okay. So this game is called Salute. I have definitely played this. Yeah. Under a different name. Right. But me too. So you have three students that play. Two of them are a player and one of them is a referee. Um, And the student who 
wins the round or best two out of three is the referee. So there's rotation. So everyone's playing a different one. Okay. Um, you just need a deck of cards. You take out the jacks and the kings and the queens. Um, if you are a middle school teacher, you can use red numbers as negative and black numbers as positive. Ooh. Or it cannot matter. Yeah. You can just have them use as numbers. So each player gets 20 cards and puts the stack of cards between them. Okay. Once you take out the jacks and kings of a 52-card deck, you have 40 cards left. Um, so the two players are sitting. They're going to face each other. And the referee says salute. And the two players at the same time draw the top card without looking at it and hold it up to their forehead. So you can only see your opponent's card. You don't know what yours is. Mm -hmm. And now the referee is going to tell you the product of both cards. So I'm holding a card on my forehead and I see a five on Tracy's head. Mm -hmm. And our referee says 40. Mm -hmm. Well, then I have to do the math fast enough to know that I'm holding an eight before Tracy does the math fast enough to know that she's holding a five. Mm -hmm. And you've won that round. So you put your card down and he says salute and you pick them back up and you can have the referees say some salute difference salute. Oh, um, quotient is a little bit tricky. Yeah, but I did play this last year and when we did quotient, they oh, have. OK, so he said quotient salute and he touched one person's shoulder and that person was the dividend. the dividend okay and then he just said a fraction so it was really beneficial for wow. the referee because in that same situation if you had an eight and i had a five he would say eight fifths hmm. so it's really easy for me to know what my number is at yeah. that point, but that really benefited huh. the referee and it helped them see that every fraction is a division problem. Mm -hmm. And it's okay to say that the quotient of three fifths is three fifths. Yeah. Like that's yeah. the end of your answer. So interesting. It was, you, you would have to, um, when you said difference, I wondered how you'd know who had the larger number did you um have you did you play it with difference? I you know what? I don't remember if we played it with difference. But you might have to do something similar to that. Like unless you're thinking about negative numbers, then it gets all complicated. But right. Or whoever's first. What the those words I can't remember. Subtrahend and menuend or whatever they are. That's right. Subtrahend is the first one. So it might be we didn't do difference, but yeah. you'd have to think about that too. But that whole quotient thing and just having the referee yeah, that's cool. say it as a fraction really helped that yeah. relationship. Um, I had something I wanted. I was thinking about. So it's a, I, I think it's good that it's a game that, oh, I know, that any grade, you could pretty much play with any grade, especially mm -hmm. like, I mean, I think second graders could even easily play maybe even first graders could easily play the addition and subtraction the the addition version of it and then then it's that getting at that part whole 
relationship how and and helping you start to see how addition and subtraction are related because if if we're playing some and different if we're playing some and you know it's i know that you have a three on your head and i hear the sum is eight then i can think to myself three plus what equals eight or i can think to myself eight minus three is going to be what it helps you see that inverse relationship between addition and subtraction so this conversation about difference and quotient is a perfect lead-in for the commutative property oh yeah and why the rules have to be different yeah with subtraction and division because you really have to know which one comes first in order to solve the problem aren't correctly. you getting ready to work and go yeah. into this could into be properties. a good way that you introduce properties yeah like how why it matters sometimes oh that was good. You, that's what you wanted good to talk about stuff, today. And I right? was a little scared too. <laughs> there you go. There's your answer. Um, can I bring up something that's a little like makes me wonder though? So you know how we've been talking about how math is not about speed. That's one of Joe Bowler's things. Mm-hmm. Um, and something I've come to believe. And Tracy Zager both talked about that. How in it, it has become – it was – what am I trying to say? In the past, the math classroom has been about how fast right. can you answer it. So this game is a speed kind of thing. Um, so what would you do in your class to make that not the focus of the in this game of salute? Because that really that is what it is. You know, who could say it faster? So I just had this idea. I haven't tried it. But if you and I were opponents and you figured out that the missing number was eight faster than I did, then it would be my turn to write the equation. And if I could correctly write the equation, five times eight is 40, then we both get a point. And so we are competing against the referee maybe. So now we're going to rotate and the referee's going to sit down mm-hmm. and the two of us together. So it's more about accuracy. Right. So we're working together to, yes, we have to quickly say what the missing number is, but then we have to actually write the equation that we solved Mm -hmm. and so now i'm looking at um 5y equals 40 Mm -hmm. and y equals 8 yeah so if i could produce something that looks like that then together you and i would have a point and now it would be the referee's turn and you and the referee might get a point and so you're still competing but it's not about being fast right I was thinking about just as simple as if if we both had carts up on our head and even if you give your answer, that doesn't make me know what my answer is right away. Okay. You know, so just as simple as we're instead of collecting cards, we're just collecting points for being correct. So even if I'm even if you're faster than me, it could we could take out the speed thing altogether. You just have to hmm. you have to correctly say what's on your head and if you say it correctly, you get the you get the card, you know. The other thing is that you could if you know if you had an idea of who was faster and who wasn't faster, then you could group them um homogeneously so that they're competing against somebody who's relatively the same speed there's nothing worse than playing these kinds of games though when you're playing against the fastest kid in the class and you're the slowest like that's just so miserable it's funny that you said that because even when i went to this conference where i went to this session and i got this game Mm -hmm. she had us play this game yeah and there were teachers who were not math teachers they were science teachers 
that did not want to compete yeah because they didn't do math fast yeah a grown adult in education yeah who still is fearful of speed mm-hmm. so so maybe that would be the the change it's just get it it's just correctness right you so know? you get it correct and and you just keep your card right and and if if you didn't get it correct then it would go to the and you could even use I mean, if you got yours correct, your equation is going to be different than mine. Mm-hmm. So we're still using that extension and writing yeah. that equation yeah. because yours would be 8y is 40 and mine would be 5y is 40. Yeah. That's it's cool that you're saying saying it like that instead of 8 times what equals 40 because mm-hmm. that goes back to what we were talking about last week with Van and how you want to put use that algebraic notation as much as possible so it doesn't s- surprise them. Right. See so it on an assessment. Scary. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. The next one is number cover, right? Yes. Okay. So this is something that I, so Trip is, like I said, in first grade and he goes to a different school than where I teach. And they, Jay and Trip went to a family math night and came home with games. Um, it was really well done. They, the teachers at his school, Sheffield, they did a great job. Um, Jay just came home telling me about everything. I took all the notes. I couldn't be there for some reason. Maybe I had class or something, or maybe something at my school. I don't remember. Um, but they sent home, they sent the kids home with pre-made games. So this one is from play and take play and take family math night from math unity is what the bottom of the paper says um and it was a little it's like a pre-made you know color printed on cardstock it's well done and it came with um the bags of the materials that you need like dice and chips and markers and everything so this one is called number cover and this one let's stop and say why we like this one because we had a conversation about this when i was explaining the game to you the other games in this bag that we came on with are all chance kinds of games it's just whatever you roll is what you get to mark and there's not much strategy at all but this particular game there was strategy involved and that's what makes it a good game and that's we've kind of going back if that's true in all of and a lot of these, not every single one. Um, but that made this fun for me to play with Trip. And I hate, I just hate games like Candyland and Shoots and Ladders that are all just chance. Luck, right? I'm like, please don't pick to play that game. Let's play a game where we have to use our brains. And so number cover. Okay, so it is a grid. Um and kind of looks like a hundreds chart, but it's colored and it's numbered from zero all the way to 99. So zero in the top left hand corner and 99 all the way at the bottom right hand corner. And you, in the way it's written, you roll it, you roll two dice. And this is just using, it has zero through nine dice. Um, so you, yeah, that, that would be important. So a 10 sided die. You roll two, two dice die. I, I'm sorry, I get that plural thing mixed up all right. the time you roll two die die right yes no you oh, roll one die. one die two dice. two dice okay great you roll two dice and then you have that's embarrassing i, I really two of sh- these things on the table yeah i really should know that but it's just one of those places where i get 
boogered up all the time. Okay. Um, so let's say you roll six and two. You have all these options of what you can do with that roll. So you can just make that into a two-digit number. So you could make it 62 and you could mark 62 on the board. Or you could flip them and make the two in the tens place so it could be 26 and marked, or you can you can mark 26. You could add the two numbers. So six plus two, you could mark eight. Um, you could subtract the two numbers. Six minus two makes four. And if you you were playing with a student or in a classroom where they had already learned multiplication or division, you could use those as well. So six times two, you could mark 12 or six minus six divided by two, you could mark three. So there are lots of options of what you can mark. And then you're trying to get, uh, well, then my partner would go and they would roll and mark there. So you're trying to get four numbers in a row like bingo or tic-tac-toe or something. Um, so what I loved about this game, again, is there's this low floor idea that you could just you could just mark the two digit number every single time if that's what you wanted to do. Um, you could also just add the numbers and that would be how you could play. Um, but you could also think some strategy like I put down this first number here at 37. So now I need to try to mark other numbers that show up close to that on this chart. Um I liked some of the things when Trip and I played it. Um, he was, he doesn't, he know he has the kind of the general idea of multiplication. He doesn't really know a lot of the facts quickly, but he was using skip counting to figure some of them out. You know, it was a authentic reason to try to multiply. Um, he also is very interested in negative numbers, and so he would he would get like three and two. And go through all, what are my options? My options are 23, 32, 5. And if he didn't want any of those, he'd be like, well, let me subtract. Um, 3 minus 2 is 1. If that was already marked, then he would he would sometimes think 2 minus 3. Ooh, that's negative 1. And so he actually decided we were going to have a little um, number line that keeps going out from 0. So he put his, he like sat down his, <laughs> his um, marker after the zero or before the zero, I guess. And and we would have. That's really cool. I, I think actually one time we decided like somebody won with a negative one or negative two number out there. Um, so, all right. I've talked a lot. What do you, what questions do you have or what thoughts do you have about this game? Um, I did have something that I was going to say and then, oh, I, okay. So this is the benefit that I would see from this game. Mm-hmm. You mentioned putting your marker on 37. And so when that student is rolling the dice, he's saying, I hope I get a nine and four. I hope I get a six and six. Mm -hmm. You're having to think about that multiplication fact and the little bit of competitiveness that you have. And like even when Tripp played Farkle at our house over Thanksgiving and was kissing the Mm -hmm. kissing his hands to roll the die. Yeah. That kind of math, you know, I hope I get two sixes or a nine and four. And even if you knew that 36 had a lot of factors, so you picked 37, those kinds of thought processes. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking more, I guess, along the sixth grade students playing this game. But so I was thinking about one of the things I thought about mathematically is he always started with the two digit numbers like so if he if his very first roll was a 3 and a 7 he he would mark 73 or 37 as his first go i was always marking my 
some or difference as my first one because I realize I think I, I think I've played this out enough that I think you're going to have a lot more opportunity to get these small numbers than the big numbers. Um, so I Ooh, would right. always start if I got three to seven, I would start with four because it's you're much more like there's a lot more ways to get um, five, you six know, and seven. Yeah. All those single digit numbers. And and I, I don't know if I ever expressed that idea to him or not. I just kept because winning. you're really competitive. Yes. And you I just win. wanted to keep winning <laughs> because she can't let her seven year old beat her. That's anything. right. That's right. Um, so but that would be worth discussing you know to right keep talking about um oh and because there are so many this is the other reason and my my justification of why i think it's better to put your numbers up at the small numbers is that they're unlike the multiplication game that you were talking about at the beginning every single number is here and there are a lot of prime numbers so the only way to get for example, 43 is to roll a three and a four. What's the likelihood of rolling exactly a three and a four? Not very likely. Um, so it's, it's yeah, a lot, very small. So that's why I put started marking at the top because there's so many prime numbers in these, at the bigger parts. Does that make any sense? I think that that is a great intro lesson for probability because oh. part of me is like, this game isn't extremely beneficial in my sixth grade classroom. Yeah. But with how fast sixth graders could play this game. Right. And then as I'm walking around listening to them and watching their strategies, yeah. how awesome would it be if a student figured out that there's more chances here and we got to actually calculate yeah. the probability of getting a four and a three. Yeah. So so that's a cool point is you said that about another game that this isn't very hard for my kids, but we could play it and then really go into the math. Mm-hmm. What was that? Other? The commutative, the properties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. For salute. There you mm-hmm. go. That's cool. I, I hadn't really thought about how using a very simple game doesn't take a lot of your time in playing or teaching it, but then mm-hmm. you could... And as in the, in the higher grades, you could go deeper into the math. It's really I mean, good. I'm looking at this board, but look, there's 43 and there's 34. Diagonal. So what's the probability that you're going to get this four in a row? Yeah. I mean, that is a super extended. Yeah. 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 And what were all what would be all the ways you could get them? Too, right. You know, because that would include some um, thinking about factors that way. OK, cool. That, that conversation got a little deeper than I thought it was going to. Um, we have, to, let's see how long we've been talking here. I don't even know what time it is. What time is it, JJ? 6.47. Okay. I think we've got time for our last okay, one, right? Yeah. So our last one is bowl of fact. Um, we don't have it here in front of us, but do you want to try to remember? Do you want to talk about it? I do. And I actually have student experiences with this because I did this at the end of last year. So bowl like of last, fact, like, last school year. Okay. Um, you have, think about bowling pins and they are numbered one to nine Uh and you get three die Uh and you roll it and then you use those three numbers to write an equation that equals each number one to nine. Or expression, maybe. Or would you call it an equation? I guess because you have the Because you have the answer. Okay, got it. Okay. So... If I've rolled, I'm going to just do this one because I can remember this one. So I had a student who rolled three fives. 
Okay. And you sit at your desk and you five plus five minus five mm-hmm. equals five. Okay. So you've knocked over the pin that has the five on it. Okay. Okay. Um, you continue to add, subtract, multiply, divide. You can choose as a teacher to let them use exponents. Mm-hmm. Um, you can choose as a teacher to teach them factorials. There's all kinds of different, like, let me show you this really cool thing. Right, yeah. Um, and the rule is that you try to get a strike. You try to knock them all down. Mm-hmm. So I actually opened a Google spreadsheet and put i gave students access to it and i had students who went home and played this game and you put in your three numbers that you rolled and then you put the equation in each column and you show that you got a strike because of the way that you typed it so now another student opens it and sees that someone did five five and five and maybe they're a little more encouraged and they try to do you know, two, five, and seven. I thought it was really funny. I remember I had a student who just thought it was the greatest game ever. Yeah. But she did not put her name on that Google spreadsheet because she did not want anyone to know that oh. she was the one that huh. was playing it at home and solving them <laughs> because she said, I don't like being the smartest person in the class, but I really oh. want to play this game. Yeah. So, so you're, you, are you, to go back to the Google spreadsheet, are you, using telling them to write equals and then put in their so that had a column for their name and then i had a column header for each number one to nine okay and so and and you would put your name and your three numbers Mm -hmm. and then under one you would write five divided by five times five to the zero power okay okay that was good that equals one. Okay. And then what would you do with um, two? And the reason I chose this is because I don't even remember what number it was. But you had to use these three numbers and you had to create a certain solution. And we had worked on it in class. And it was one of those where I was like, oh, this is going to be easy. And it was not. <laughs> so I sent the challenge home. And one of my students who doesn't didn't typically do extremely well in my class came back and she had used 8.5 and because she put a decimal in front of it and multiplied it by 0.5 cool she was able to find yeah the magic number so i just remember i made a really big deal about it i sent her to the superintendent because he's a math you know geek and he had been in our class and watched us trying to figure it out and was like i'm gonna figure this out yeah and so the next day when i sent her down there with it he was just like you are so great that's That's awesome so this is a good game that like you have five extra minutes or something got canceled and Mm -hmm. you know it's just it's something you can whip out once they know how to play it or even if they don't know how to play it it's it's a quick thing that um just can use up some time but still be beneficial and the other thing i did was i just printed out some really large bowling pins like eight and a half by 11 and if you were able to bowl a fact and get a strike yeah then i let you write it all over the bowling pin and sign your name (laughs) and put them up in my classroom cool so there were just kind of like random bowling pins just stuck on the wall yeah and some people really got into it and some were like i don't want to do that yeah but again it was just that 
you know, how many strikes can we get this quarter kind right. of thing. Um, shoot, I had something to say. I, I do that often. I don't know. Um, all right. Well, I think we've talked about some things that are useful and I hope can be scaled up and scaled down depending on what you teach. Right. You and know? this is definitely going to be one of those podcasts that you want to access the, the show notes. extra show notes that we have for you so you can see these and just print them off. Yeah. And if you have any games that we didn't mention that are like this in that there's strategy involved and it could be brought up or down depending on what your level is. We'd love to hear it. And we could, we would share those too, if you shared some with us. So let us know what you've used that's worked well in class like this. We got to do takeaways. Um, actually, we're going to let Jay go first because he was motioning at us that he had a takeaway. Jay, what's your takeaway? My takeaway is that the next prime year is going to be the year 2027. How'd you figure that out? I looked it up on my phone. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But I am sitting over here checking you because it's not even, so it's not divisible by two. Yeah. The divisibility rule for three says the sum of the digits and seven plus two plus two is 11. So he's right about that. Okay. To divide it by four, you just look at the last two digits and because 27 is not divisible. Yeah. And little side note, if it's not divisible by two, it's not going to be divisible by any even number. Four Any or even six. number. So right. Eight or ten. <laughs> right. Um, it's not divisible so by five. It's not divisible by five because the last digit is not a five or a zero. Right. In order for it to be divisible by six, it has to be divisible by both two and three. Yep. Um, you have to try seven. Seven is a really fun one. So you would have to double your seven and get a 14. And then you would have to subtract 202 minus... 14. And if that number is divisible by seven, the whole entire number is divisible by seven. Isn't it easier just to run through and do division real quick to see if it's divisible by seven? I think divisibility rules are really cool. So (laughs) it's not about easy, Jay. (laughs) It's about cool. So, anyways, cool. So, 2027. The last one was 2017, and the next one's 2027. Whoa, that's cool. Thanks, Jay. Sure. I love it. All right. So take away. I know what yours should be, Ruth. Let me say yours and then you say mine. (laughs) I think yours should be that that, um, games that you see that might seem too simple for the math that you're doing or for for where your students are, are a good jumping off point for something more complicated. Like, for example, um, probability or talking about um, properties. So some things that you might look at and go, ah, too easy. You can think about how you can use it to have a deeper conversation in your class. And your takeaway Ooh, should be I love that this. a deeper conversation with your seven-year-old about why he would choose the ones at the top mm-hmm. is more beneficial to his life than you beating him every <sighs> single time you play the game. What? I do not like that takeaway. <laughs> I'm not a fan. You know what? I will. I will. This. Okay. Okay. Fine. You're probably right. I will say on this game on Zeus on the Loose, that child likes, loves to play the cards with the people on them. He wants to play the special cards. Like as soon as he gets it, I got one. I'm going to steal Zeus. But I'm thinking you need to save your special cards till you get closer to 100 because taking the Zeus at 30 doesn't do anybody any good because it's going to keep, you're going to keep stealing it. So I probably need to say to him, 
tell me why you're playing that now and you should save your Zeus. I need to lead him. Jay's shaking his head. Okay. <laughs> um, so you're right. I should teach him some strategy and not just but I like it when I get time. to give you your takeaways. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> we should try that format every time. <laughs> All, All right. right. See you tomorrow, Run. Yes. See you tomorrow.